0: We're actually in a run rate of 80 million. So uh, yeah, we did about 50, almost 52 last year. Um, And with the run rate is 80 right now, obviously the valuation is, is, I would say, clearly more than 10 times.
1: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com
2: Hello, everybody. My guest today is Alfonso de la Noez. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of UserZoom, the experience insights management company that helps businesses design, measure, and deliver the best digital experiences. Fortune 500 brands like Google, Amazon, at Walmart, and Intel power and automate the UX and CX research of all their digital properties through UserZoom's agile and scalable platform. He's got 20 years experience in the fields of marketing, web design, and user research. Alfonso, you ready to take us to the top?
0: I am very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
2: All right, you bet. So super crowded space. It sounds like you're sort of monopolizing the Fortune 500 brand space here. Did you come from a Fortune 500 brand?
0: Uh, not really, to be honest with you. Well, I guess my first job was Dell Computer. So maybe, you know, I don't know if you would include them there. But yeah, I was, it was a two-year out-of-school uh, experience. And then right after we went to smaller companies.
2: Okay, fair enough. So give us the origin story here. Again, you're playing in a crowded space. We'll get into the products here in a bit, but take us back to year one. When did you guys launch?
0: 2007. Okay, 2007. Um, the, the, Yeah, the background of the story is we actually came from the old school way of doing user experience research and, and experience insights management, which was in a physical lab. And I don't know if you've ever participated or seen you know, one of these kind of focus groups like. Uh, focus groups like uh, uh, research projects and studies where you sit and you do kind of one-on-ones uh, in, a, in a physical uh, lab with the one-way mirror. You know, you have uh, some people observing what's going on. Um, that's what we did in the first startup that I started in, back in 2001. And so UserZoom was born out of, a, you know, kind of like software is eating the world uh, for user research, right? So we wanted to automate and scale. Um, you know, uh, the research, the tedious process of doing this type of uh, user research. Uh, and that's why we built the product. So user zoom is kind of like right after that uh, experience.
2: First hundred customers, first million in revenue is always the hardest. Did both those happen for you in
0: 2007 or did it take a little bit longer? No, it took a little bit longer. Of course, you know, um, uh, you know the, the crisis hit in 2008. So that was a, that was a, a tough year. Um, and initially, to be honest with you, we bootstrapped this business and the way we were uh, kind of getting the MVP uh, in place and kind of growing is through the um, profits that we were making with the previous consulting company. So we had like a couple of years of both businesses uh, together. And no, I don't think we hit 1 million probably until 2011 or something like that. Mm-hmm. The agency to SaaS
2: model is in the DNA of all, a lot of the most successful SaaS founders today. So I always like to dig a little bit here how what year did the agency do the most revenue uh, and how much revenue
0: was that i think if i'm not mistaken we had a 3 to 3.5 million dollar agency model before UserZoom. and then within user zoom you know it must have been a half a million or not even not even that you know we went quickly into as as, as soon as possible we moved over to saas yeah what so what year was it 3.5 million do you remember Oh, but this is, again, prior to user Zoom, right? This yep. is the previous startup. This must have been 2006, 2007. So how did you have the conviction to shut
2: down a $2, 3000000 million revenue stream to go on to SaaS? That's where most folks who are going to be great SaaS CEOs eventually, they get stuck in the agency because they don't want to give up the sunk cost.
0: But we, I thought it's a great point that you're bringing up, uh, Nathan. And to be honest, one of the reasons I always say we were successful is because instead of just jumping into a SaaS model and building an MVP and... Trying to finance that, we actually it was a very very tough time for about two to three years to keep both businesses kind of um, running parallelly, and um, you know it helped us finance the MVP and also helped us do actually actual uh, market research because we were working with customers that needed this type of insights, and we were working in a lab, but at the same time we were working and offering them a product to do it remotely, do it online like it is today, and so. It was very tough, I got to say, because on top of this, we also had it in different uh, markets. Uh, One was in Spain, where UserZone was born and the previous startup as well. And uh, the other one, obviously, is the U.S., uh, where I moved over in 2009 to roll out the U.S. market. So very, very complicated, very tough thing to do. Interesting. Now, how many customers are you serving now today on the SaaS model?
2: About a thousand. Okay. And here's my big question some of the larger SaaS companies at scale against their VC's wishes because of the margin hit you take with professional services, they will touch agency account- big accounts with sort of agency-like services. And you see typically net dollar retention on those touched accounts go through the roof because there was a big setup. So your agency guy to SaaS, you raise VC now, do you put touch and big agency contracts as a- setup fees on these accounts?
0: We look at so We look at the professional services and the consulting you know, we call it actually managed services at UserZoom as, as a real value to our customers. You know, um, and it is true that those customers that use us for both product or, or they license our product and use us for professional services actually have the highest retention and the highest uh, net retention. Yes. However, um, it's also related to the maturity of the market. Some customers just need that and they, they need handholding or they need, you know, we, we actually provide more of a, a advisory uh, type of services. Um, you know, we helped them, we, we always say we help them uh, fish versus fish for them, right? We helped we enable them and teach them how to fish. Um, so we found that in the beginning, we dropped the agency model, so to speak, or the consulting completely, because we didn't want to go back to it. Um, over time, we learned how to manage it with a good uh, gross margin, by the way. Uh, so it's not, uh, you know, first of all, about only, it's only about 20% of our, of our revenue is coming from you know, other than license, other than product subscription. Um, and second of all, we're doing a good job at um, selling the value and, and getting some good margins for this. Margin. Well. Sorry? What's good margin on managed service? Well, I mean, back in the day for us, it was like a 20 to 25%. But right now in user zoom, we're sitting at close to 30%. Oh, Okay. Interesting. 30% margin. Yeah. Interesting.
2: And growing okay. and growing. That's, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. Okay, so so help me understand if, if I'm going to sign up, if someone's listening right now, they're an enterprise brand, they want to sign up for Zoom, On
0: average, what's the customer going to pay you to use your tool set? Actually, there's we we've, we've gone uh, down market because initially we were really focused on the enterprise, and so most of the customers in the enterprise are somewhere in the hundred to hundred and fifty thousand a year, uh, and growing. By the way, but then we have this other cohort. Uh, we acquired a company called Validately a couple of years ago. And they were actually focused more on the SMB and a, kind of a different persona. So we go all the way down to you know below twelve thousand dollars as well. Right now, I think if you look at overall business, it's sitting somewhere in the eighty thousand or so per year.
2: Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, and and um, I, I want to sort of capture more of the story. So usually, what people do is they start uh, SMB and they move enterprise. You sort of the opposite. You had enterprise yes. and you're moving down now. And so it, you know if you're moving enterprise and moving down. Obviously, the enterprise, you should see some obviously really healthy net dollar retention. I mean, are you guys above, if you look at the whole business on a dollar basis, are you above like 130, 140% net dollar retention last 12 months?
0: Uh, more closer to 120. Yeah, we're, about, we're around 120. Depends on the cohort. Once again, uh, Nathan, yeah. if you look at some cohorts, the enterprise, some of them are around 130, 135, the very large ones. Uh, and then the others are lower, right? So overall, total is about 120 right now. It's really good. So you want to, you want to basically, you know, invent
2: new mousetraps at the top of your funnel to bring in smaller sized customers, right? And then obviously, excel, expand them and excel them across your other product lines. What mousetraps for you right now are working the best to drive more top
0: of funnel product wise? Well, what we want to do is we want to, we know that there is a an SMB market that doesn't require the belts and whistles and the advanced uh, features that we have for the enterprise. And they just want to do some basic interviews, you know, kind of like what we're doing right now. We have a, uh, a product that, uh, you know, it's kind of like a purpose built uh, uh, Zoom for research, you know, for testing, for interviews. And then we have um, others that are, you know, um, unmoderated. So without somebody just, you know, asking questions and uh, maybe they just want to run some quick, you know, uh, studies with 10 users or 10 participants and they don't need a lot of um. Again, the advanced or bells and whistles that you add when you have behavioral data or uh, surveys and logic and condition and a lot of things that you need for more quantitative analysis. So that, those, those products are ideal for SMBs or for immature customers that don't want to pay, they don't have the budget. Uh, the enterprise wants something like more like an XIM, right, Experience Insights Management um, Solution and Platform that gives you all sorts of different types of, of research methodologies, and and insights related to user experience and customer experience and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, surveys, interviews, live intercepts, usability testing—you so are touching all these things with your current product line. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You 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 are taking an aggressive acquisition approach in terms of buying other companies. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, talk to me about how you finance the business. So, from the agency revenue, how long were you able to stay bootstrapped?
0: Well, actually, you know, um, we we started doing SaaS uh, pretty early, so even though we did have the agency. You know, if you look at user zoom only, uh, it was a couple of years. And then in 2009, we started selling a whole lot of licenses. Uh Uh, And that was very much pure, pure SaaS. Um, So I would say your question was how many, how many years, I think, you know, two to three years until we started really seeing growth in SaaS. And we felt like we had a SaaS business for real, you know, versus a hybrid. So when was the first fundraise that you did? Oh, well, so we raised friends, family and fools, so to speak, back in 2007 and eight uh and then we didn't and that was about a million and a half altogether and then uh we got the company all the way to about 12 million in revenue 15 million that. bookings that well, was 2015. Yeah. uh the first few years uh nathan i mean after the crisis and trying to figure out the product market i mean the first three years really were just testing waters right it got it started getting interesting around 2011 2012 um and then we, we grew and the most important thing we grew profitably by the way you oh, know right. uh yeah, we were actually 14% even the profitable uh, in 2015. And that's when we raised, you know, sort of a fir- uh, first round that was pretty large, which was $34 million with Sunstone uh, partners.
2: And that's a big moment. So $34 million raised in 2015. Why was Sunstone the right partner?
0: Well, they've been following us uh, in our, our, our trajectory. You know, uh, we have good culture fit. Uh, Gus Alvarelli and I have been talking for years. And you know, I think honestly, they believed in the market because today everybody will say, "Oh, experience insights and UX is important for products, of course, and customer experience." But we're talking 2013, 14. You know, these were still very, very early, early years, right? So, Sunstone was a boutique uh, firm, a boutique private equity that came in and said, "Hey, guys, you know, we we believe in this market, we believe in the team and the opportunity. Uh, Let's do it." And we. Yeah, we had a we had a wonderful um, few months of conversation until we finally closed the deal. What valuation was the thirty four million raised at? Well, so this is the story about about this. This is approximately about fifty million. Uh, the idea there was that, right? Know, we, uh, yes, no, no. Uh, post, so they actually oh, wow. did so a majority. You sold a, you sold a big chunk then. We did a majority, yeah. And I, and I we we explain this openly to to people. You know, think about this. We are three founders coming out of Spain. You know, um, hustling like crazy and being and able to build a company all the way to 15 million, you know, and uh, again, cross border. So um, I'm the only one that came over to the U.S. My two co-founding partners and the whole engineering team stayed in Barcelona. Wow. So it was it was very tough. We, I think we did something amazing, you know, and I'm very, very proud of that. By the time we got to that uh, 2015 year, we knew that we had to raise. We knew that we wanted to grow a big business. And Sunstone came in and said, look, we can give you a, a, you know, a smaller check. And continue going, or we can give you a bigger check. Uh, you know, use some for secondary. Uh, the investors and the founders, you know, you guys deserve, uh, you know, some to take some money off the table, and we will help you continue growing. My co-founding partners who were in Spain. You know, they felt like they were gonna, you know, the, the, the company was gonna change completely, including myself, right? So we felt, you know, what this is a good thing to do. Uh, it was a good story, and you know, I always say that, you know, it was not a, 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 a complete sale. It was a majority investment, which is very different than selling. Um, and Sunstone has never really operated or or or, uh, or worked in a way that is, this is our company, we're going to do whatever. No, we actually partnered with them the same way that is if we have partnered for a, 40, for a 25% or 30% of the business. I'm a big
2: fan of secondaries. I think it's a great way for founders to take some of clarity off the table, early employees as well. But a lot of people don't understand how to structure it or how to think about it. How much of your $34 million was secondary?
0: Oh, boy. I want to say about 70% of it. I don't remember right now. Okay, but. so uh, we- it was a- a good chunk. Yeah. I mean like uh, the investors, the family office that came in from Spain and the and the uh, business angels were very happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now did the
2: angels I assume you basically said here's an exercise price, Angels, if you want to take it, take it. If not, you'll stay on the cat or did you
0: force them to take the secondary? Well, to be honest with you, we, we I mean, force is a big word, but you know, everyone was so happy and there was there was a good deal for everybody. I think only one uh, uh stayed which i think was my my brother <laughs> who had invested early on uh but everybody else yeah. the idea was really to recap and and kind of start fresh nathan you know we wanted to start fresh with a company that had a headquarter headquarters in 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 california versus barcelona a new board here but yet spain and the barcelona team have become have remained absolutely critical for the success of the business so really it was just a necessary step to professionalize the business and uh, we were all very happy with it 2015, you break
2: 12 million in terms of run rate. Where are you at
0: today? Oh, uh, we're uh, we're actually in a run rate of 80 million. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we did about 50, almost 52 last year, um, and with the run rate is 80 right now. Obviously, the valuation. You know, I, I don't really want to talk about it to be honest with you, but it's you know, is is I would say, uh, well, clearly more than 10 times uh, what what was it back well, in. That's, that's a big moment, Alphonse,
2: right? I mean, more more than 10. Uh, well more than t- well i guess maybe it's not right so i mean you tell me if
0: you can share this are you part of sort of unicorn club have you passed a billion dollar valuation yet or no no i don't i think we'll get there pretty soon uh, okay. i'm very confident and it's very exciting of course but no we're not there yet let's be realistic
2: No, that's fine that's fine now have you uh, i think you have raised additional capital on top of 34 what was the last fundraise
0: yeah we just did this one that was on the news um, we actually closed around december uh, 2020 uh, it was about 100 million And uh, yeah, the the idea there was that um, you know um, we have we have a big market opportunity ahead of us, and so Owl Rock came in and said, "Hey, we want to be part of this journey. Uh, We love the team, we love the vision, we love the market." So they came in, and uh, I I can't give you much details around exactly what the hundred million was about, but I can tell you that you know uh, some of it uh, was also used to you know get back return the um, uh, you know return on investment for Sunstone. And some of it is obviously for us to grow, but yeah. I can't, I can't give you the details on that.
2: No problem. Um, look, I mean, you are in a space where if someone could be a hub, there's a lot of spokes to go acquire, right? I mean, if I just look at your live forms, form feedback, you have bootstrap companies out there, question pro with some scale, you've got sort of type form, which is, you know, grown pretty effectively in terms out of, of Barcelona of, and bar out of Barcelona, very effective. I mean, are we gonna? Am I gonna be interviewing you in a year? And all of you guys are coming together, and you're gonna have 300 million of private ARR, and you're gonna be looking at in this thing or something, or what?
0: Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I do believe, and yes, you've seen the our, our, our m and record is actually pretty good. You know, we've yes. done four, actually four, with the EnjoyHQ recent deal. Uh, you know, we we believe that there is an organic and an inorganic way to grow, and this is yeah, this is a very fragmented market. Uh, so we think that there's a lot of point solutions out there that could be part of our platform. You know We have both, uh, we have, we have both the, the collection, the data collection, as well as the analytics within our platform. And then let's not forget the whole panel and sourcing business uh, that we also offer. So it's a, it's a very broad solution. Um, within, within those three buckets of collecting, sourcing participants, and al- analyzing the data, there are tons of little companies out there that could help. Uh, But to be honest with you right now, we're very focused on what we did with EnjoyHQ because we think it's a phenomenal um, fit for our vision of, you know, uh, providing a a broad experience insights management uh, solution. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be focusing, we're going to be focusing uh, a lot on that uh, for the next year, for sure. I'm going to wrap up here with some quick questions. Team size, total team size today? About 300.
2: And how many engineers? Uh, About 80 to 90. How many quota-carrying sales reps? Somewhere around 50. True or false? That's a key way for you to drive growth. They have expansion revenue targets, and they're they're hitting it. Sure, it's a good it's a it's a key. We
0: we are we are vast majority of our growth comes from expansion.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you'd said one twenty percent in your top cohort in terms of net revenue retention. Peel that
0: onion for us. What's gross revenue turn look like? Uh, Gross revenue is somewhere in the gross retention is somewhere in the eighty six. Okay, got it. So then you're expanding thirty
2: four percent to get to one twenty together.
0: Yep. Expanding quite a bit.
2: Really impressive. Very impressive. Okay, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book? Good to Great by Jim
0: Collins. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying, Alfonso? You know, I follow a lot of them, to be honest with you. It's impossible. It's like picking one of my kids. But, you know, I really liked Richard Branson, uh, his style and his inspiration and his positivity. Besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building user zoom? User zoom? No, besides your own. (laughs) <laughs> well, we use Zoom to build UserZoom, uh, yeah. and it's our it's our main source of of insights, of course. But no, I mean, we clearly love all the cloud, uh, you know, collaboration tools. Uh, we we love um, uh, Google and Slack, and uh, you know, a company called like Corus also is doing a phenomenal job for us. Okay, great. Uh, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? I'm good with six. Okay, and situation: married, single, kids. You mentioned kids. I'm married and I have two kids, one 13-year-old who was born in Spain, in Madrid, and is a boy. And I have a a very American five-year-old girl.
2: (laughs) Busy guy. How old are you, Alfonso? 48. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20?
0: I think culture eats strategy for breakfast.
2: (laughs) Guys, there you have it. UserZoom launch of an agency that did $3.5 million back in 2007. They scaled, finally broke that million-dollar run rate in 2011 when they raised from some family and friends prior to that. Then the big year in 2015, break a $12 million run rate, do a $34 million raise at a $50 million valuation. It was a majority sale, majority investment, but now they're scaling rapidly. Uh, past 52 million bucks in AR last year, now at an $80 million run rate. Brought in another $100 million from a new partner at more than a $500 million valuation. They've looked to scale in the space with their team of three Alfonso, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan, for having me.